8.03 on a Friday. Happy Friday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Hour three of this program is underway. Vanny Sartini, Whitecaps manager, is going to join us in just a second here. Hour three is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. We're coming to you live from the Kintech studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at kintech.net. To the phone lines we go. The Vancouver Whitecaps were in action. Big win on Wednesday night in CONCACAF Champions League action. Another big match this weekend, Saturday, 2 o'clock from BC Place against FC Dallas. Joining us now, manager of those Whitecaps, Vanny Sartini here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Good morning, Vanny. How are you? I'm good, guys. How are you? We're good, thanks. I got a feeling you must be feeling pretty good after that win against uh, Real CD España on Wednesday. That was the Honduran champions in the Concacaf League uh, Champions League five nil victory at home in front of the BC Place faithful. Uh, how important was it for your team to score that many goals and put that dominant a performance forth? Not just because it helps you in the second leg of this thing, but also because you guys started the year with consecutive losses in MLS action. Yeah, yeah. You know, it uh, was very important. Yeah, for, for, yeah you, you said it for two, for two factors. One is... Uh, it allows us to go to San Pedro Sula next week. Uh, uh, I don't want to say sure that we're going to be qualified, but of course, uh, in charge of our destiny and uh, with a, I would say, comfortable lead of five goals. And the other thing is that uh, in the first two games of the season, we played actually very well. We created a lot of chances, but the, the, we we didn't score uh, all the, the chances that we had. And uh, having the, a night where a lot of uh, balls uh, um, entered the net, uh, really, I hope that gave back uh, the confidence that we need also to face the next uh, game in the league. Well, you mentioned it. The first two games of the season, you went into halftime with a 1-0 lead and then ended up losing. On Wednesday, you did the same. You went into halftime with a 1-0 lead. What did you say differently to the guys in the room at halftime? Well, we didn't say kind of anything differently. It's, uh, again, the, the, the difference was, uh, uh, I would say, especially compared to the to the first uh, game home against RSL, that... Uh, then we, in the second half, we we basically exploited all just all the chances that we had, and uh, we, and of course it becomes much easier if you score the second goal. I think, uh, I think the the second goal uh, helped to to remove a lot of uh, weight that we had in our back to having a little bit of anxiety after two games that we were in the lead and we lost, and then after that it became uh, much more easy. What are you anticipating for the return leg in Honduras? Because it's obviously a difficult place to go play. There's a lot of travel involved. Uh, yeah. There's the, the state of Honduras entirely. So how do you prepare for that? And what are you guys anticipating in the return leg? Yeah, it's going to be hard. Uh, again, we our plan was to try to win and score as many goals as possible in this game in order to make, uh, I would say, a little easier when when we go there, it's going to be hard in terms of uh, uh, you, you said it, the travel because it's a very long travel. The 
weather condition because at the moment there are more than 30 degrees and uh, and it's very humid so it's, it's going to be completely different and of course the the environment that we know that is not only hot because of the temperature but also because of the people that are going to be at the stadium so uh what we need to do is to uh expect that they are going to go all in at least for the first 15 20 minutes because of course they want to try to score the goals and gain momentum to uh to put us a little bit in uh, uh in trouble or or in shamble and we need to match their intensity for the first uh, 20 25 minutes and uh I'm sure that if they don't find the the goal soon it's going to become uh, I would say easier to do like game management in the second half. Vanny, I don't know if you've started to follow the Vancouver Canucks since you've come to this city, but earlier in the season they had all sorts of trouble protecting leads and it was a big story in Vancouver. Um the Canucks would often get two goal leads, three goal leads and they would end the game by not winning those games. You guys have started off with a 1-0 lead in both your MLS games and you've lost both those MLS games. So uh, people are starting to talk about protecting leads with you guys. What is your philosophy um, as a manager when you have a 1-0 lead? How do you want your team to play? Well, yeah, the best way to protect the lead is to keep playing uh, as uh, far as you can from uh, from your goal. So ideally, uh what we when you're winning uh especially in a in a competition like MLS where uh every team um spend their money like you know in a, in a salary cap competition for the strikers not for the defenders so winning and then try to defend the lead and staying low close to the goal in defending it's uh it, it can be something that you shouldn't do it because sooner or later the other team is going to have the chance to score and and tie so um we will we we have to try to when you are up in the score one zero to keep your pressure as high as as you can uh try to uh go and uh score for uh for the second goal and uh if you make substitution unless it's like literally very 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 close to the end of the game not do the classic defensive substitution to put defensemen instead of strikers, but to put fresh leg in order to try to keep the pressure, um, I would say, as high as you can. Is there an obvious risk, though, there that if you're continuing to push forward and maybe trying to get that second goal that you're more vulnerable on the counterattack? Well, uh, if you you do it with no kind of... uh, I would say logic or attitude, of course, yes. But the, again, the most important thing is not not that you go with nine guys attacking. The most important thing is that not retreating in your half and and waiting for the other team to attack and defend in your half. You need to start the defense always far from your goal because that's the only way to try to minimize the the chance for the other team. I think that, to be honest, we did it okay uh, against RSL and we were still pressing and getting chances to score the second, the third and the fourth goal probably. The, the main problem was not scoring the goal. Against, uh, against uh, San Jose, in San Jose, uh, we actually uh, didn't do it. We, we, we went very low because we weren't able to put the same amount of pressure than, uh, than, in, the, than in the first half and uh, 
we invited them close to our box, and at the end, they scored the goal, the tie, and, and, and the 2-1 at the end. We're speaking to Whitecaps manager Vanny Sartini here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Vanny, you alluded to uh, MLS teams often going out and acquiring prizey, flashy strikers, and that's sort of what you guys did with Sergio Cordova when you brought him in. I know it's been a small sample size so far, but he did get his first start on Wednesday night. What have you thought about Cordova's game so far? Yeah, I think that we just saw some glimpse of uh, Sergio in the sense that uh, you know, um, because of the negotiation, international negotiation with the German team uh, and uh, went on for two, three weeks, uh, he he wasn't able to participate in the preseason. So he's still not 100 percent. But and uh, so what you see now, it's uh, it's uh, it's a Sergio Cordova like at uh, 60, 70 percent of his possibility. You sh- you saw what he's able to do in terms of uh, uh, playing with the ball, protecting the ball, freeing himself and shooting, uh, serving assists last week. But this, you, you, you haven't still seen, in my opinion, two of the main features of him, that is this uh, uh, strength in when you go to press the opposition and then when he runs at the opposition and he can be a real threat, uh, especially when uh, when the space behind the line. So I hope that, uh, well, I'm, I'm pretty confident that he's going to be uh, getting in condition in the next few weeks. Yeah, really quick before we let you go, uh, the match on Saturday, FC Dallas, two o'clock. So it's a really interesting one because of how your schedule looks. It's a lot of games in a short period of time. I think it's going to be your third in seven days. You've also got that return leg to Honduras next week, so another game in short order. But you do want to get that first MLS victory on Saturday. So how are you balancing this? How are you weighing this all out with regards to getting a starting eleven out there, but also realizing it's a very busy time of the schedule. Yeah, we'll we'll be we'll make some consideration after the game against Dallas. Uh, we want we want the game to be our number one priority at the moment, and then we'll make some consideration after the game. Uh, the five zero lead against uh, um, España gives us the possibility maybe to think about some rotation to do next Wednesday. For this Saturday, we'll go all in for the player that. Uh, we think they're going to be the best to to win the game. Vanny, good luck on Saturday. Best of luck on Wednesday as well in the return leg in Honduras. Thank you so much, guys. Thanks, uh, Vanny Sartini, Whitecaps manager here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Well, let's ask us anything Friday on the Halford & Bruff Show. If you've got any questions, text them into the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. They can be sports-related. They can be serious. They can be fun. This is a sports-related one that's pretty serious. Ask us anything. If JT Miller keeps playing like he has been and – if it becomes clear that Pedersen isn't super interested in being the captain. Do you guys think Miller is a better fit for captain over Petey or Hughes? He is very confident when talking to the media, and he would be a better fit when it comes to standing up for guys as well as just being more vocal. What do you guys think? Okay, here's what I think. I think before the Canucks name anyone captain, they got to figure out who's going to be here long term. (laughs) Pedersen still hasn't signed a long-term contract, and JT Miller is still um, reportedly uh, possibly going to be traded by the Vancouver Canucks. Um, I think they. I think this is very hard for media and fans to determine who should be the leader of the team, who should be the captain of the team, without being in the room. I just want to throw it out there. 
But I think it's fairly clear what this organization is doing, and they're handing over the leadership duties to the younger guys on the team, mm -hmm. and that's Pedersen and Hughes. Yep. Those are the two guys that are going to be handed the responsibility to be the role models, to become more vocal, to become better leaders, even if it takes themselves out of their comfort zones. And look, the Sedins were not super vocal. They weren't guys that barked a lot out there. Probably weren't guys that gave like rousing pregame speeches. You can still have guys like JT Miller on the team that stick up for the guys. Like the Canucks had Alex Burrows and Ryan Kessler and Kevin Bieksa. And those guys were not afraid to lead even if they didn't have a C. But I think that for this next generation of the Vancouver Canucks, they need to give the leadership duties to younger players on the team and go, it's your responsibility now, take it. You know what happens in four days, Jason? March 14th, today is March 10th. You know what happens in four days? JT Miller celebrates his 30th birthday. So I'm looking at that and I'm saying, does he have good leadership qualities right now as outlined by our texter? Right now, yeah, he's got them. But I think you're... I think you got to look towards the future, and I think you have to say that if, if, and we're just throwing out the possibility, Miller and his contract don't age well, then you've got a real issue if mm -hmm. he's wearing the C. Because not only are you getting diminished returns, but you go back into this conversation where you've got a guy wearing the most important letter on the team that's not the most important player on the team. Pedersen's going to be the next captain. I think we just need to acknowledge that. And if it doesn't happen, then I think something went catastrophically wrong along the way. Well, he, he maybe he doesn't resign. That maybe that's that would the be thing. catastrophically. They, they wrong. need to get some. Uh, they need to get some certainty on who's going to be here and who's not going to be here. And until PD um, signs long term, or until the JT Miller trade talk finally dies down, and perhaps that's when his no move clause kicks in this off season then I think you make the decision about the captain. And even then, if you're not 100% sure, just go next season without one. Uh, another um, one about the Canucks here, this is unsigned, as that one was. Uh, ask us anything. Hypothetical question I keep thinking about. What if this retool doesn't work in the next few years? Do you think they will finally rebuild? Man, I hate to take the... Um, the coward's way out here, but I have no idea. Like ha sometimes you're forced into a rebuild. For for example, if Pedersen doesn't resign here long-term and he's like, I'm going to force my way out. Mm. Like we've seen, like let's say he pulls a Matthew Kachuk. Then what do they do? Do they go the Calgary route and try and chase down some good veteran players like the Flames did with Jonathan Huberto and Uyghur and then they signed – Kadri, do they do they go that route or do they finally say all right let's rebuild let's trade Pedersen for like a crazy amount of futures um all I can tell you is that there has been immense pressure in this market for the Canucks to rebuild immense media pressure we all know what Drant says on a daily basis, rebuild, rebuild. We all know there's a large vocal segment of the fan base that says rebuild, rebuild, rebuild. What have the Canucks done? Retool. This is, this is how they operate. And until they 
and until they don't, I'm going to just assume that this is how they're going to operate forever. Nothing would suggest that this team is going to do anything other than always try and stay competitive and always try and stay relevant. Easy answer for me. Easy answer. I don't, I don't know how to predict the future, but I know what the past has told me. And if past behavior is an indication of what's going to happen in the future, then the answer is really simple. Uh, we've had a few texts in about Oscar season. Now, you're the guy. You're the film critic here. You're the you're the Siskel and the Ebert. Mm-hmm. Um, He's talking like I don't exist over here, Mr. Film Buff. Probably seen more movies true. than Bruff has. That's true. Well, Bruff for the longest time. Are we, you sure? When we worked I worked at, in a video store when so I was I. in my 20s. Okay. Well, I'll touche. Yeah. Wow, look, it's, <laughs> hey, hey, look, it's two losers fighting. Um, when... I was paid $8 an hour. <laughs> However, I will say there is a period of, my, of time in the 80s where I haven't seen some of those movies, mm-hmm. so you probably got me beat there. Specifically, you've you've definitely seen more superhero movies than me, That's and more sci-fi, yes. more Star Wars, and definitely. that sort of stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah. The question into the Dunbar Lumber. It would be a good line. review show, though. Sorry to interrupt you. Mike. You are interrupting. The question <laughs> into the Dunbar Lumber text line six fifty six fifty is how many of the films nominated for this year's Best Picture Oscar have we seen? I have the list in front of me. I do too. I've seen one, and it was Top Gun. I've seen three. <laughs> I think I've only seen three. I've seen Top Gun. I've seen the Banshees of. In Sharin, which honestly, everyone said they were like, "You'll love this movie." I did not love that. Everyone movie. thought that the relationship between the two leads was similar to our relationship. I saw a couple in that, that one of them hates the other. That's right, and the other is desperate to maintain the friendship. You and I are the banshees. What's the third? Uh, I've seen All Quiet on the Western Front. Yeah, same. That's on Netflix. I saw Elvis. You saw Elvis? I never yeah. saw Elvis. It was on my it was Not on my person, PVR. Though. I was like I was like uh, I just I've just never been Listen, I th- I think this is like uh this this list of movies is not very impressive. No, all I'm quiet, sorry, it's just not. All quiet on the like Elvis Front. is. I did Elvis, not like Elvis. Yeah, I thought yeah, it was I, way I, too hectic. The, it the, was well, the reviews weren't the, the reviews were not no. glowing. The best part about Elvis is that the guy that plays Elvis, Austin Butler, has actually turned into Elvis. Yes. <laughs> Have you seen that? No. He does that's awesome. publicly. He's he's, yeah. he's just turned into him. He's mm-hmm. convinced himself that he method acted for so long. <laughs> Such that he a turned deep method into role. Elvis. Yeah, he's yeah. just him. He's now like, I forever. can't escape it. So he, the, uh, he, he does he, interviews as Elvis. He talks like Elvis. It's so amazing. Th- the overwhelming favor to win Best Picture is Everything, Everywhere, All at yes, Once, which I haven't seen yet, and I still uh, mean to. I've I've got it flagged. I think you can watch it on Amazon Prime. Yeah. That's where it's at. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. I just, it's about, it's about multiple universes. Yeah, it's right? sort of a meta kind of movie. It's kind of like the decisions you make in life, like can lead you either one way or the other. Sort of butterfly effecty. Which is funny because I just read a book about that. It's called The Midnight Library. So mm. it's all about like you can go back on the decisions that you make and see what your life would have been. Like, right. let's say, for example, Boy, the Canucks wish they had a couple of those. <laughs> it's about, honestly, it's about regret. <laughs> Yeah, it's about regret. Like, you could go back, so the, the Midnight Library uh, version of that would be like, what if Dan Hughes didn't decide to hip-check Milan Lucic? How would that mm. series, and then mm-hmm. you can you can find out how that went. And the general lesson is, like, it's kind of like a moral lesson. Like, you, 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 regardless of how your life turns out, you're probably going to face the same issues that you face in your current life, right? Mm-hmm. Just based on, on how you think about the world. Um, yeah. Since people are probably asking just quickly to go through the list, what the nominees are, it's All Quiet on the Western Front. I've seen that. Excellent. Avatar, The Way of Water. Seen it. Surprisingly good. I wasn't expecting to like it. Banshees of Inish, Sharon. Haven't seen. Elvis. Haven't seen. Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Haven't seen. Mm-hmm. The Fablemans. I want to see. I hear it's awesome. It's pretty much a story of 
Spielberg's life. It's directed Cat, by Spielberg. Wasn't it di- basically made to win the Oscar? Like, I that's mean, why it, they put it, it together. It's apparently fantastic. Seth Rogen is amazing in it. Apparently, I do want to see it. Uh, Tar. I want to see that one. Top Gun, Top Gun Maverick, which I've seen, is awesome. And Triangle of Sadness, which sort of summarizes this conversation. The Triangle right of Sadness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, there's only three of you talking about this. I'm <laughs> out of the Triangle. <laughs> the Triangle of Sadness, Vancouver, Edmonton, and Calgary. Right? There you there go. You, um, yeah. Ask us anything from Josh in Chilliwack, and this is going to cut Laddie in half, but that's fine. Are goalies just the running backs of the NHL? You treated some, like them. You have some studs who get paid big dollars, but then you have all these random guys who just catch fire for a few years. To be perfectly honest, Josh, the average span, lifespan, really, of, a, of an elite running back with a single franchise isn't even all that long. So right now what's happening is Derrick Henry's probably been one of the best, most consistent running backs in the NFL over the last seven years. He spent all seven in Tennessee, and now it's he's, he's done. He's, they're, they're kind of talking about moving on, and he'll be going somewhere else. So... I don't know. Like the, everyone knows who the elite goalies are right now. The question is, what are you waving? Oh, you're telling me to wrap it up. I thought you no, were no. I want to. I want to come out after you. I want to. I want to. Okay. Um. I, I. There's only a handful of guys, and I guess the question is, will they be like decade long servants, for lack of a better term? Will they have the ten years of servitude to their team? Like I could see Vasilevsky being a long term guy in Tampa Bay. Uh, Shesterkin in New York. Like, I think he could have the kind of career that Lundquist had longevity-wise in one place. But um, there is a case to be made that they are kind of the running backs of the NHL. Yeah, there is, because it's the nature of the position. What do what do running backs, uh, catchers in baseball and goalies in hockey have? There's one starter on every team. Yeah, right. There's one spot for a guy mm-hmm. to go. You sign a guy to a long-term big-money deal— you're going to start your backup goalie half the time? Who, no, do you're you think not. Is, who do you think is more dependent on his teammates, the goalie or the running back? I would argue the Ooh, running back. Yeah, I'd say the running back. You, yeah, you can't, can't do much line. without much of an offensive line. Yeah. yeah. But I think we're learning. Now, correct me if I'm wrong on this. The analysis was we're learning more and more about what we used to think, and that is that the, um, the team – in front of the goalie is very, very important statistically because there was a time that the analytics folks felt that maybe that was overstated and a lot of it was just on the goalie. And I think we're learning more and more now that like you have to have a good system in front of you. I know everyone's tired of hearing the word structure, but the reason it's brought up is because it's very important and you have to have trust in the players in front of you. And those players have to have trust in each other. You mentioned that the the importance of the of the structure in front of them and, yeah. and the the offensive line for running backs. Well, for goalies, it's it's the same thing. You know, they get uh, a lot of impact on uh, from the from the players in front of them. They they don't have any control over what happens around them, which is the the crux of the position and which makes goaltending very frustrating for a lot of people. Okay, let's take a quick timeout. Just a quick timeout because we got to come back and do everybody's favorite segment. That's full blown. Ask us anything. Friday with some what we learned sprinkled in as well. If you want to win a pair of tickets to see the Canucks and Senators play on Saturday night, 7 o'clock, from Rogers Arena, text to 650-650. That is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Send a What We Learned or an Ask Us Anything. Hashtag WWL for What We Learned. Hashtag AUA for Ask Us Anything. And most importantly, a ticket emoji. That'll enter you into the grand prize draw for a pair of tickets to see the Canucks and Sens on Saturday night. One final segment coming up. This is the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. 
Get smarter when you listen to Hockey Talk, the Hockey PDO cast with Dmitry Filipovich. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Kelowna, California. West Coast. Coast. <laughs> yeah. Kelowna, baby. Best place in the world right here. Kelowna, <laughs> California. Hey, 33 on a Friday, Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Uh, hour three of the program brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. All right, fire up the matrix. Steve from Burnaby has won a pair of tickets to go see the Canucks and Senators play hockey Saturday night. Rogers are going to congrats to Steve. The reason Steve won is because he gets the ethos of this show. He gets what we're about and he understands how to marry topics that you didn't think would have anything to do with one another. Okay. I'm curious how he did this. Steve from Burnaby hashtag WWO. What we learned. I tried the chicken big Mac last night and it reflected the Canucks season sloppy structural integrity. And underwhelming. It's the definition of mid. Oh, okay. Now. I have not heard good reviews for I have not the heard chicken good Big Mac. Or the Canucks. Mm-hmm. There's a reason they used uh, beef. So Andy <laughs> Andy went out and did the field research. successful re- with yeah. uh, beef. <laughs> yeah. Where's the beef, they say. Andy went some out magical animal. Andy, Andy went out and did the research. Yeah. You ate the chicken Big Mac. Yeah, seven, several of them. No, Just the one. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I did try it last night. And? First time. And? Uh, as the kids say, very mid. So Steve was right. Yes. I mean, it wasn't terrible. I wasn't... What was your biggest complaint? Too much chicken. <laughs> In the chicken big yeah. pack? Yeah. Like, the he did some beef. Patties? The chicken overweighed the sauce portion. Mm-hmm. So, like, the sauce was fine, but there was more chicken than sauce, so you didn't have your soakage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Eat the soakage. Right. What did you call it? Soakage. The, the soakage. Did you go to BYU? What is? <laughs> That's a deep cut. I went that up, not everybody's gonna get. I went up. Google it, kids. Google Don't it. Google it. Actually. Don't Google it. <laughs> Don't Google it if you're at work or at school. Has, it, um, it, has any sandwich, by the way, made a had like had a bigger decade than the crispy chicken sandwich? You used to not be able to find a crispy chicken sandwich. Oh, you're just talking in general. Just in general. Popeyes. Like, now now yeah. I feel like like the crispy chicken sandwich lobby would be like would go be going to a restaurant and be like, why don't you have a, ch- a crispy chicken yep. sandwich? That's like, actually very good. That's a need... very good point. Well, who doesn't it, love a good crispy chicken sandwich? But he's it's, talking it's usually, about the it's, rise. It's the it's the rise. The rise I just wonder the if there's sandwich. gonna be a fall because you know, in this uh in this Western world of ours, we, we like to build things up, but then we like to tear them down. What will be the fall of the crispy chicken sandwich? Oversaturation. This might be the start of it. There'll be too many. Yeah. Too, cri- too crispy eventually. Mm-hmm. Has the, the crispy crispiness chicken, will be too high. Has the crispy chicken sandwich actually in some ways knocked nachos off a menu? Or is that a different part of the menu where you can't really Yeah, nachos is in dinner. Nachos, Na- nachos is always an appetizer. Yeah, nachos it, is everywhere. Doesn't it bother you when you go to a restaurant yes. and it's like a sports bar? And I know what like, you're going to say. I'm like, like, do you have nachos? No, we don't make nachos. Yeah. What are you, out of your You mind? should yeah. automatically have to close down. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't serve nachos. I don't know, and, and, I don't know what you're doing. Decent. I don't and, know what you're doing, but I think it's illegal. I don't, you, yeah. you know what they need to bring back in every place? Potato skins. More potato okay. skins. Potato yeah, skins are 
incredible. Yep. Going back to the absolutely g- incredible with sour cream, bacon bits. Then again, it's it's, an, it's amazing and good potato skins. That's a meal right the, there. The main thing that mm-hmm. well, that's strange, but the main thing that bothered me about the uh, chicken Big Mac was McDonald's keeps trying to reinvent the wheel here when they have just when they have just like. McDonald's pizza just waiting in the wings there to be brought back. Everybody loves McDonald's pizza, and they refuse to bring it back. It's delicious. I don't think I've ever had it. It was so good. It was out for like three days. (laughs) 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 Probably a major lawsuit involved, Uh, and they had to shut it down. But no, I remember McDonald's pizza was amazing when I was a kid. Well, if you want to talk about when you were a kid, there was lots of things that were amazing when you were a kid. I bet it's still, but I I still am, though. I thought Big Trouble in Little China was the greatest movie ever made, and you know what? I don't think it was. (laughs) That should have won an Academy Award. Um, the, that's another oversaturated market, though. You can't get back into the pizza game. There's way too many pizza places as there is you're right Mc, now. You're McDonald's. You can do whatever you want. On the McPizza vein, though, I saw a photo somebody posted from an old 80s McDonald's. Don't use McPizza in, in vein in the no, same no. sentence. <laughs> <laughs> it, in the 80s, and it was soup at McDonald's. It said soups on. McSoup? McSoup. Okay. Where, when did really? they have McSoup? Yeah. Good Lord. I it know. It's been like a test run or something. I've actually I read uh, one of the books. I can't remember what it was, the McDonald's book. And they were talking about there was a time where they, ha- they, they, uh, they were very adventuresome and weren't afraid of having like things blow up spectacularly in their face because I think that they just really thought that they were going to be the ultimate family restaurant, right? And it, so they were going to have, I think they had like a pineapple burger. At one point, there was just a slice of. They chart. flew too close to the sun. Yeah, and now now they're just trying to make like different types of McChickens. Anyway, let's do a let's do a sports one. Why? I haven't even checked the in basket, but I'm sure people are yelling what they do every Friday, which is I thought this was a sports talk radio station, and most of those are from Andrew from Victoria. What do we got? Oh, you're you're asking me to do you, do you that never... was the setup, and I just did one. Uh, James and Qualcomm Beach ask us anything. What did JT Miller do exactly to lose the fan base? What does he have to do? to win the fan base back, and is it even possible? This is a very complicated qu- complicated question, James, um, because it depends on the fan. Um, for me, I had that speech that I made that it's not about JT Miller, the player. He's a very, very good yeah. player. It's about his age. Your speech kind of hit the nail on the head. Yeah, but for a lot of people, it is a personality thing. They think, you know, he's, I don't know, too mean or something. Like, I don't, I don't. I don't care. I honestly do not care about JT Miller's temper or how he'll, you know, occasionally um, yell at uh, some of his teammates. Like, I think that happens in sports. I really don't. I think I think he would be wise to maybe think about whether that's the best way to do things. And mm-hmm. I think that's something that Rick Tockett is working um, with him on. I think he'd be wise to do that, but like that exists in sports and it's really not that big a deal. I think it does become harder when you're yelling at players and maybe oftentimes not back checking as hard as you could. I think that becomes a problem. But for me, like that's all noise. Doesn't this matter. is all Doesn't this is matter. The, the, to, to like, so to win the fan base back, maybe for some people it would be to him to be, I don't know, nicer or whatever, you know? Not yell at people, but I think for a lot of people, including myself, the only way he can do it is to find a time machine and make himself younger. Because mm-hmm. that's that's where the overall, that's where the over like committing to this player uh, for so long and for so much money in a league where oftentimes, most of the time, in fact, your game really falls off when you start turning thirty two, thirty three, thirty four. 
and the Canucks aren't in their window right now. That's why I say JT Miller makes all the sense in the world for a team like Pittsburgh, which is in its window right now, and who they don't have a bright future. Like when Crosby and Malkin and Latang all retire, like the Penguins are going to have to rebuild. So the back few years of JT Miller's contract in a place like Pittsburgh, it wouldn't be such a big deal. But what I don't want is for the Canucks to get to the point in a few years. Let's say they have some growth over the next few years. And then JT Miller's contract is like an anchor. Yep. And you want to improve, but you can't because you've got this contract on the books. That's the only thing. I'm with about you. It. It's the um, only thing. Uh, yeah. Everything else is just noise. Uh, ben on Burke Mountain. I assume he's talking about Burke Mountain in Coquitlam, not the ski resort in Vermont. Uh, ben on Burke Mountain. Ask us anything. Which do you prefer? The draft lottery, like in the NHL, or automatic seeding, like in the NFL? Uh, the NFL, Ben. I think it's pretty cut and dry. If you're one of the worst teams in the league, you should have a chance at getting the best player in the upcoming draft. That's how franchises get to turn things around. I understand that the lottery's more intriguing and there's more drama and everyone gets a chance and there's this generational talent. Traditionally speaking, teams have been more undone by having bad seasons and not being able to get really good players. Wow, for a guy that hates tanking so much, I was surprised you had that answer. If someone wants You hate tanking. If someone wants to sewer their season and intentionally lose games, let them. They can deal with the fallout. Cuz it's not all sunshine and roses when you're losing 13 or 14 games down the stretch. Mm-hmm. And and then I always talk about that there was that one game that always that altered the NHL, and it was when Arizona played Buffalo pri- <laughs> ahead of the McDavid draft, and it was in Buffalo, right? And Buffalo fans were cheering when Arizona scored to beat them in overtime. Yeah, and the NHL was like, "We can't have this happen." And I was like, "Why not? If Buffalo wants to run their franchise this way and wants to piss off their fans, or have their fans so turned off at the concept of winning that they're cheering against the opponent, let them. Look at what happened to Buffalo." became a disaster, but they made that choice. The, the whole thing has to be, if you're bad and you're at the bottom of the standings, there has to be a way for you to get better without going out and buying free agents, basically. Mm-hmm. And the draft is the way to do it, right? That's, that's plain and simple to me. I like the draft lottery, though. I think it's more... I don't, I don't, I, I don't when, like... When, when, it's, when you don't have... When you don't have, when you're guaranteed, if you're the worst team in the league, and you're guaranteed the first overall pick, then you're going to see some funny business going on. Sure, I don't think it's good for the league, but I think it's, I, I think that that's all part of it. Like I think there's karma involved with some of it. Like for example, the the worst draft rules of all time. Was there any karma in the Penguins getting Mario Lemieux? Yeah, they got good karma yeah. from it. <laughs> they got the good, the good kind of karma. Um, but the worst draft rules of all time were the ones that they hit the Grizzlies with when they were in Vancouver. Oh, was, the expansion it was like, teams got yeah, screwed? Yeah. It was it was it was awful. It was the it made no sense at the time and retroactively it makes even less sense if that's possible. It's funny how the NHL has looked at its own history of teams like I don't know, probably like Florida and Columbus. You know, it's took taken forever for them to get relevant and to put together good teams and they're like, "What if?" <laughs> 
We, well, what if uh, these new teams to the league that we want to cement their fan base and make sure that they're healthy and they get off to a good start and they create some excitement in their markets, what if we gave them uh, a, a chance yeah, like to how actually much, win? Do you guys want some really good players to watch? You can do it. Uh, it, it. It boggles my mind. Anyway, rant over there. Ben, I hope I answered your question. Marcus and Gibson's ask us anything. Uh, if Quinn Hughes was up for an extension this summer, how much would his cap hit be? How good of a deal are we getting with his current contract? Great I think you're, pro- you're probably Great. saving a couple million dollars. Great question. Um, Quinn Hughes has been terrific this season, and his production is off the charts in terms of his playmaking abilities. Um, you know, he probably doesn't have the goal totals that he wants, but whatever. Like, that's not important. For a defenseman, your job is to facilitate play up the ice and make things happen on the power play and put the puck on the sticks of the guys that can score. And he's doing a great job of that. Um, is, he's uh, well on his way to being the best defenseman to ever play for Vancouver. He might be there already in terms of talent. Um, what's he what on is, right now? What's he on right now? His cap hit is almost $8 million. Hughes? So Yeah. Okay. So we're looking at... He's right around Heiskanen money, right? Because Heiskanen is 8.45. And then the other – there's really a, a tier of guys that are 25 or younger defensemen that are kind of set themselves apart, right? So, Wierenski, Fox, McAvoy, McCarr, Heiskanen, Hughes, mm-hmm. right? And then in the case of Wierenski and Fox and McAvoy, they're 24. So, they're right there. Um, God, it's, it's hilarious – Hilarious looking at this list of the highest paid defensemen in the NHL. And when you scroll down, the first Vancouver Canucks defenseman on the list is OEL. Because <laughs> yeah. he makes more money than Quinn Hughes. Uh, Kevin on the road, ask us anything. Uh, Bruff, would you let Halford take another day off and co-host with Drancer? Neither of you will get to finish a sentence without getting interrupted. I, I'm, are you, are you I'm sure, more are offended you, by the first part of that, by the way. Why? That you let me take a day off. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, Fine. What's going on? You here? can go to the doctor. <laughs> Jason, could I have oh, a day yeah. off today, yeah. please? I'll allow you to look into your health. I'm a man. I'm 43. Okay, I can take days off if I want without asking permission. I'd ask two people for permission, not one. Uh, I've hosted shows with Drancer before, and here's the thing about hosting with Drancer. It's also a day off for me because all I have to do is put together some questions for Drancer. And I'd be like, what do you think about this? And then he rants and raves about whatever he rants and raves about f- leverage and it's high almost, leverage and all that sort of stuff and and then i'm just like all right see start you making your breakfast it's yeah. almost <laughs> a disservice that he uh, is on a show called canucks talk because drance has takes on everything everything I, sometimes i'm like dude i don't know how you could even possibly care about what you're talking about right now but you mm-hmm. are so you i remember i did a show with him on ask us anything friday and it's just you just sit there and you just just list them off one after the other, and he will go, just go, Drance, go. It's funny. Gary Garrison makes a good point. Florida was relevant immediately. They were in the Cup Finals with Colorado in '96. I almost forgot about that with the Rats. Uwe Krupp. Yeah, uh, I mean they didn't. They didn't, <laughs> they didn't come that close against the Abs, uh, but yeah, I guess they did make it. But then they. And maybe this isn't the expansion rules. Maybe this is just an organization that wasn't very well run. They miss the playoffs almost every season for the next, what, 20 years? 
Yeah. Like they, it was crazy. And and people would always be like, Man, Florida doesn't belong in the league. Like they don't have fans that go to the games. Like, would you go to a go to a go to a game uh-huh. in Florida? We'll watch it. Would you have season tickets to the Panthers? Why would you have that? Why would you do that? They were affordable enough. <laughs> I guess. I guess it kills time. You can't afford eight dollars? Yeah. I like I don't know. I'm I'm going down to uh I'm going down to California next week, vacation. And did you ask permission to take that vacation? I'm going to go on vacation next week. Is that cool? Uh, <laughs> it, is, it is not cool. The, I was looking at got. You want to talk about a, a potentially cheap ticket? Anaheim is hosting <laughs> Columbus. Oh wow! On <laughs> Sunday at five o'clock. I'm like, I bet I could get tickets for under ten dollars to that game. I bet you could walk up to the rink and be like, "Can I come in?" And they'll be like, "Yeah." <laughs> Do you play for the Blue Jackets? Yeah, yeah. Just be like, just just be sure to buy something. Here. I'm like, this is the least enticing hockey There's game. There's more I players can... on the bench than people in the audience. Is that not one of the most least enticing hockey games of all time? Yeah. Yes. Anaheim, Columbus in Anaheim on a Sunday at five o'clock. What do you think Johnny Gaudreau is thinking about his decision right now? I don't think he thinks too much. Although he's probably like, "Thank God I didn't go to Philly." <laughs> They're a disaster yeah. right now. Well, yeah. In like, case you missed the news, by the way, uh, Chuck Fletcher has been fired as the general manager of the Philadelphia Flyers. That's the big NHL news today. Danny um, Breer. I wonder if Gaudreau is actually happy. He's like, this is great. The season's going to be over. I do wonder if that's part of it. I don't have it. to go to the playoffs. There's no pressure. I do wonder if that's part of it. Like, yeah. I, I've, I don't, I've <laughs> never really dealt with Johnny Gaudreau that much. I think I was in like one or two scrums. But it doesn't seem like there's a ton going on. Like, he likes playing hockey. Yeah. He kind of ha- he likes hanging around the guys. He likes ham and cheese sandwiches and simple food. Nothing too tasty, nothing I, too fancy. I remember joking about it um, when he made that decision to sign with Columbus and like Yarmo Kekalainen going, like, oh, he wants to sign with us. That's great. And then having a second thought is like, oh, why does he want to sign with us? <laughs> Isn't that a bit of a red flag? Yeah. Why does he want to come here? Yarmo, does he have no yeah. drive? Does he not want to win? Does he not want to be center stage? Does he not want to be on the big stage? I'm glad you brought that up because it was initially huge red flag. It was initially, um, it was initially framed as like this great thing and how it was going to change Columbus as a market, a destination market. <laughs> you got a crush on somebody and they just come on way too strong. Yeah. You know what? And then no, and then it's I'm, more like I'm if, so, out if, if some yeah, if someone's interested in you, you're kind of like Why? that's that's great, but. Man, you're unemployed. You're, just, you're yeah. you've got red flags because I've got ton of red flags mm-hmm. here. Didn't Jarmel say that? We had him on the show and yeah. asked him that. You're like, what did you think about when you heard that he wanted to come to Columbus? And Jarmel was like, really? <laughs> like they had to like check into it. Like, you sure? Columbus, Ohio, here. <laughs> uh, Sean familiarly asked us anything. Hoaglander is clearly thriving in Abbotsford given his style of play. Is he a potential top six on an NHL roster, or does he need to reinvent his style of play? to meaningfully contribute in the bottom half of a lineup. I think he's a tweener. Like, I think he's he could maybe be bumped up to the second line, but you'd probably want him on the third line if you're, if you're a good team. Um, I'll say that I, I asked Faber about Linus Carlson specifically when we had him on mm-hmm. was it Wednesday. Um, at this point, I'm more intrigued to see Carlson up than Hoagliner back up, if that makes sense. Just because you haven't seen Carlson. Just I, and I do think you deserve uh, kudos and further steps in your career if every time you go to a new league, you're doing really well. He went to the Swedish Hockey League, won Rookie of the Year, came over to North America, played the American League, getting better and better and better. Sky could be the limit. You know, you never know, right? Like, I think getting him in some games would be a good sign 
a good message, and you might unearth a player. All due respect to Hoaglander, who is doing well in Abbotsford. Ask us anything. If OEL has a no-move clause, does that mean he can't start the season in Abbotsford? Yeah, they can't play that. They can't play that card. He's got a no-move clause. It, you no can't moving. move. Yeah, no moving. Yeah. Even if it's to Abbotsford, it's too much movement. Yeah, he has to, he has to waive it for a road trip. He's like... <laughs> I'm right here, and I'm not moving. Actually, that's kind of sometimes how he looks when he's playing hockey. He's not playing again this year, right? Uh, I have no idea. Like I don't, I just don't think it makes any sense whatsoever. So I mean, I'd be, I'd be shocked. I'd be curious to see if they do any other like full blown shutdowns with guys, because we're getting to that point. We're at game sixty five, sixty six. Mm-hmm. Like there's not a lot of time left in the season. Like. Kaprizov got hurt the other night. This is totally good, but yeah. he's out three to four weeks. Like that's the rest he got of the right. Folded up by Logan Stanley. Just he just like leaned on him. Fell on top of him in a sitting position. It was yeah. awkward. It didn't look good it at didn't all. Didn't look good. Uh, but he's out three to four weeks. Like that's the rest of the regular season, basically. Mm-hmm. And I mean, who knows if he's going to be healthy for the playoffs? That could really sink Minnesota. All right, what do we got this weekend? We got the Canucks and the Senators on a Saturday night at Rogers Arena. We got some golf. The players is Selection Sunday. It's this Sunday, it's right? This Sunday, and then the tournament gets underway next week. That'll Ooh. be a lot of fun. Love having the tournament on, especially since we get off work and we get to go watch games. But for now, we got to get out of here. It's been a fun Friday. Thank you all for listening, and thank you all for participating. And Steve from Burnaby, have fun at the game on Saturday. Tell him Halford and Bruff sent you. Signing off for now. We got to go. I have been Mike Halford. He's been Jason Bruff. He's been A-Dog and he's been Laddie. This has been the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. I'm a man. I'm 43. Okay, I can take days off if I want. Follow us on social at Sportsnet 650 on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok for the latest sports news and behind-the-scenes views. Sportsnet 650.